welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 364 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, and I really ask you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. The NFL regular season is a long season. Let me start this episode by saying that. It is a long season. Usually teams that look one way in the beginning of the season usually look a different way at the end. It's it's just natural progression of an NFL season. Some teams look worse. Some teams look better. It's just how the NFL season is. I'm pretty much starting this episode like that as a caveat to say that these are my opinions after week two of the NFL. Well, going into week two of the NFL season, you know, I don't want to make any rash decisions or rash uh, life life altering opinions about these teams because again, things can look different. I, for example, man, look at the look at the Jets. The Jets from minute one of their season to now is drastically different. Obviously, with Aaron Rodgers going out. Let me not let me not go off tangent. Let me, let, let me talk about. Thursday night football is pretty much the start of week two in the NFL. And we got the Eagles and the Vikings. The Eagles beat the Vikings 34 to 28. And after watching that game, I have a clear picture, at least again, two weeks into the season, I have a clear picture of, the Eagles, and I have a clear picture of the Vikings. Now, again, this picture, the, the, this, my ideas and how I feel about these teams can change. Because I think it's, it's, it's obviously not smart to base an opinion and have a concrete opinion about something two weeks in. But let's talk about the Eagles first. Because... The Eagles had a lot more question marks going into this season than a lot of people led on to. You know, you lose a bunch of players on the defensive side of the ball. You lose, you know, Miles Sanders. You lose both of your coordinators, both offensive and defensive. There was a lot of change from this, or there was a lot of change with this Eagles team. And... Also, a huge change, which a lot of people didn't really talk about, was the strength of schedule. Last year, Philly had one of the easiest, if not the easiest schedule in the NFL. This year, they have one of the hardest, if not the hardest schedule in the NFL. So, and I'm not I'm not just going to base how good they were on the schedule last year, but when you play weaker teams, when you play weaker teams, that definitely helps. And it helps the team build momentum and helps the team, you know, build camaraderie. And it just, a lot of times, it's easy wins. But now you're playing the hardest schedule. That that doesn't, that you need to know yourself going into these games or you will lose. So, while yes, you can look at the score and it says 34 to 28, the Eagles are now 2-0. And you can feel like the the Eagles left off or the Eagles picked up where they left off last season. 
And you can also say that this team is a Super Bowl caliber team because they they looked well. They won their first two games, and it, it doesn't look like that. There were times in both games where it, it didn't look like much competition. Now, yes, they did struggle mightily majority of the time when they played against the Patriots in the first game, and we'll talk about this Thursday night football game in a second, but. On the surface, you can look at this Eagles team and say, oh, the, the, this Eagles team is the same type, you know, the, they didn't, just because they lost two coordinators, just because they lost a bevy of defensive players, they are the same team. But when you're looking at this Eagles team, you have to look under the surface. And you have to really look at these games to understand that this team looks drastically different, at least two weeks in, than it did last year drastically different I don't think that I should I'm not worried about the Eagles right now and the reason why I'm not worried about the Eagles right now is because when you have the 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 beauty of an NFL season of a season in general in sports is you have time you have time to get it together. Now, some teams do, some teams don't, but you usually have time to figure things out. And when you have this much turnover and this much change in the from one season to another, you're going to need time to figure it out. You're going to need time. You know, these these this offensive coordinator, this defensive coordinator, they're going to need time to understand the, you know, which which plays to call, which plays to design, when they should call it. It takes time. The 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 the, the quarterback and the offensive players need to develop a, a certain cadence needs to develop a certain relationship with their coordinator so that they can they can they can be on the same page. You don't just build that in the offseason. It take you yes, you that's where you started of course, but it takes the regular season to really do that. So once you get to the playoff, you're in prime position. But you would be foolish to just look at this Eagles 2-0 schedule or 2-0 record and think that this is the same Eagles team that we've seen that we saw last year. Quiet as his cat. Jalen Hurts has not been good these first two games. You can look at, you know, Thursday night football and say, hey, he was 18 for 23, 193 yards. He also rushed 12 times for 35 yards. He has three touchdowns altogether. You can look at that and say Jalen Hurts is the same Jalen Hurts of last year. But again, the beauty of sports and the beauty of football is you have to look at the games. And if you look at the games, you can tell that Jalen Hurts, at least his first two games, has not seen the field the same way he saw last year. Or... He doesn't have the same zip or the same accuracy in his passes that he did last year. Again, I'm not saying Jalen Hurts has fallen off a cliff, but these these last two games is not indicative of what he looked like last year. Now, again, it can all it could be because of you know he have a new offensive coordinator and you're still trying to learn the schemes you're still trying to you know figure things out that could be the case and if that is the case then of course this is just a two game evaluation 
and he'll be fine. The Eagles be fine. I think they'll be fine by the end of the year, of course. But this team just doesn't look like the team, especially when you look at the rest of the NFC. And as painful as it as it is for me to say this as a fan, I'm looking at that Cowboys team. And you'd be a fool to think that that Cowboys team isn't good enough to at least, at the least, compete for the NFC. And if we were looking today, if we're talking today, if we're, if we're taking the 2-0 Eagles that we saw on Thursday Night Football and we took what we saw from week one of the Cowboys, I would pick the Cowboys. Same thing with the 49ers. I would pick the 49ers. Again, this is just an overreaction, obviously, because this is just two weeks into an 18-week or 17-week season. But what we thought the Eagles were going to do good, they do exceptional, and that is, of course, run the ball. The Eagles, like last year, that is one thing that turned that that carried over. You lose Miles or Miles Sanders, and you pick up DeAndre Swift. And DeAndre Swift in Thursday Night Football had twenty eight carries for a hundred and seventy five yards. This Eagles team is a run first team. On top of that. You can look at the numbers and and be confused and be jaded. Like, again, 28 carries for 175 yards for DeAndre Swift. Devontae Smith had four receptions for 131 yards for one touchdown. You can look at that and think, I don't know what you're talking about, Jalen. Like, this this team was, it, it looked great. No, it didn't. Mind you, you're still playing arguably the worst defense in football in the Minnesota Vikings, and we'll get to them in a second. The picture that was painted, or let me say this, leaving this game, I've come to the conclusion that this Eagles team is good, or let me say, this Eagles team has the potential to be unstoppable. When you have the offensive line that they have, when you have Jalen Hurts, and I do believe that he's going to get better over the season and get better probably over these next few weeks. But when you have Jalen Hurts and his passing ability with his running ability, when you have uh, DeAndre Swift, who I think is an improvement from Miles Sanders, and Miles Sanders is really good as well. When you have two wide receivers that can be number ones anywhere else in Jalen or A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, when you have a court, uh, a coaching staff that's trying to figure it out, but hopefully, you know, they get on the right direction. And I'm not saying that they're just completely off. But what I'm saying is I'm going to, from what I saw last year to this year, again, these first two games, it is, it's no secret that Jalen Hurts is not seeing the, 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 the field as well as he did last year. And I'm, the only thing that's changed in that in that in this whole equation is the coordinators. So I, I I'm 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 going to give it time, but I think that the Eagles that we saw last year, 
the Eagles team that was blowing through people, the Eagles team that ultimately made to the Super Bowl, I think that that is possibly the Eagles team that we're seeing. Because think about it. Jalen Green has looked unstoppable these first two games. And he's a rookie. I think that he, he you can argue that he is an early rookie of the or defensive rookie of the year candidate. I had him winning rookie of the, defensive rookie of the year. And I think that every all the all, all the praise and everything I thought he would look like, he's looked like the first two games. I think the Eagles are going to be great, man. And in me thinking they're going to be great, I, I can't overlook the fact that they have not looked anywhere close to what they've looked like these for or these first two weeks that they did last year. Now, again, I do think that that's going to change. So we'll see about that. And let's talk about the other side. Let's talk about the Vikings. And this is probably one of the first times in a while that I look at a Vikings loss and I'm not instantly I'm not instantly blaming Kurt Cousins. Now, I know that is or let me not say that. Let me retract that. When the Vikings lose, especially these last two years, mainly it's been because of their poorest defense. And that is honestly the biggest reason why they lost on Thursday. They're, they're, they have one of the worst defenses in football, if not the worst defense. Their defense couldn't stop the run to save their life on Thursday. Okay. DeAndre Swift had 175 yards. Boston Scott had 40 yards. Jalen Hurts had 35. DeAndre Swift averaged 6.25 yards a carry. They couldn't stop a nosebleed. But for the first time in a while, I looked at a... I saw a I saw something that I haven't seen in a while. Let me say that. I saw something in that Minnesota Vikings game loss that I didn't expect to see. I ex- what do you, when you go into a Minnesota Vikings game, what do you expect to see? You expect to see the defense to be trash. That is what we saw on Thursday. You expect Justin Jefferson to go off. Justin Jefferson had 11 carries or 11 catches, I'm sorry, for 159 yards. When you go into a Vikings. Oh, and by the way, shouts out to Justin Jefferson. I think he has like over 5,000 yards, which is like the second or the most for a Vikings player since Randy Moss. And I know that the graphic going around, which I don't know how or why the Chicago Bears caught the smoke, but he has more reception reception yards than any uh, Chicago Bear wide receiver in, in their history, which is crazy to think about. But what I'm what I'm what I'm what I'm alluding to and what I'm getting to is this. 
the best player on the field on Thursday Night Football was Kirk Cousins. You can argue it's DeAndre Swift, and, and if you say it is DeAndre Swift, then I'm not upset with you. But I would say that the best player on the field was Kirk Cousins. 34 or 31 for 44, 364 yards, four touchdowns. You he can't help the fact that his running back or let me see. Alexander Madison dropped a bunch of passes or KJ Osborne dropped a bunch of passes. He can't help the fact that, or or Kurt Cousins can't help the fact that Justin Jefferson was hit or was affected by, to me, the worst role in football. And that is when you fumble the ball in the end zone, it's automatically, it's pretty much a touchback for the other team. And I think that is, that's terrible, man. If, if anything, at least give them, give the offensive team the ball at the five yard line or something but just to to completely give it to the other team and give them good field position is crazy what i'm saying is this is the first time where i can look at this minnesota vikings team and i don't really give much blame to kurt cousins Kirk, again, to me, outside of De- DeAndre Swift, Kirk Cousins was the – he was far better than Jalen Hurts. Let me say that. And I like Jalen Hurts, but he, Kirk Cousins was far better than him on Thursday. And I also feel that both of these teams are going in opposite – or going in opposite directions. That's not true. That's not true. I feel that watching this game on Thursday – and it's as close as it was because the Vikings made a furious comeback at the end because I think they were down 20 points at one point. To me, this Vikings team, the, we have seen the best of this Vikings team. Kirk Cousins has the game of his life, and we know that Kirk Cousins struggles in prime time. Again, he was arguably the best player for both teams on Thursday, prime time. But I, th- I feel the Vikings have plateaued because you know what you're getting from the Vikings. Long, there's no more Dalvin Cook, so you're not going to get those games. I, I mean, I don't think Alexander Madison is going to go crazy. He had eight carries for 28 yards. How do I know this? Because he's on my fantasy team, and for some reason, I started him. And he had a fumble for loss. I ain't forget. But I just feel like we've seen the best of this Minnesota Vikings team. I feel like they're just they're just going in a straight line. You know that Justin Jefferson's going to be good. You know that Kirk Cousins is going to have those games where he's incredible. Then he's going to have those games where he like he did game one, where he has three or four uh, turnovers. You know the defense is going to be terrible. Yet they're going to be in the game, or they're going to get blown out. I just feel like there is a upward trajectory with this Philadelphia Eagles team, and there's such a stagnant line with this Minnesota Vikings team. To the point where two games in, you have the Jets talk, or you have people talking about Kirk Cousins to be traded to the Jets because of the Aaron Rodgers loss. Shouts out and congratulations to 
the Philadelphia Eagles for beating the Minnesota Vikings on Thursday night football, 34 to 28. Like I said, Thursday night football pretty much is the doorway in the in the in the beginning of the week for the football season. And or for the football week. And I am going to give my predictions for week two of the NFL. Uh, the first game is Green Bay Packers at the at the Falcons. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I really liked what I saw from both teams. I was pleasantly surprised about how how good Jordan Love looked. Now, I do want to preface him by saying that he played arguably the worst defense in football, and arguably the worst team overall in football in the Chicago Bears. And it doesn't get much harder with the Atlanta Falcons. But I do think that I will say the Atlanta Falcons have a better defense than the Chicago Bears. But I if we. If we talk about the totality of the team, I like the Green Bay Packers in this one. I think the defense is going to be humming. I think that they're, they're they're trying to get on a roll and they're trying to support Jordan Love as much as they can, uh, especially when you talk about Aaron Jones and the running game. I like – now, B. John Robinson did look good, uh, but I like, uh, I like the Packers beating the Falcons. The next game, you have the Raiders at Bills. Let me tell you something. The the Raiders, this is this is one of those trap games. If the Bills beat the Jets last or in Week One, because the Bills lost, I think the Bills are upset. I think the Bills are going to be hungry. I think that Justin or Josh Allen is going to come out trying to prove because he's heard a lot of talk, and I've I've said some things as well. Obviously, he's not listening to me, but. Josh Allen is going to – he's more than likely has something to say uh, about all the people that's pretty much saying he's reckless and this isn't a Super Bowl team with him uh, at the helm. I just think that the Raiders picked the absolute worst time to see the Buffalo Bills. I think the Buffalo Bills are going to beat the Raiders quite easily. Not to mention the Raiders don't have that good of a defense outside of, of course, Max Crosby. I don't think Chandler Jones is playing yet. So and, you know, he's kind of going to war with the coach and the the GM. So I have the Bills beating the Raiders Ravens at Bengals. I think this is a sneaky, important game for both teams. I think this is a very important game for the Bengals to get back on track. We know how bad they looked last week. Uh, going against the Browns and the Ravens, this is their first legit test. Obviously, it's only week two, and the first week they play C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans. But this is—I said—I mean, I, I've obviously, I obviously think that the Ravens are a Super Bowl caliber team because I picked the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. This is the first test. Not to mention, I don't know how good Joe Herbert's. I mean, Joe Herbert. Jesus loves you. <laughs> I don't know how good Joe Burrow is going to be after week two. Again, he didn't play the preseason. He didn't really practice in the offseason at all because of his injury, his hamstring injury. So I think that this is in the offensive line still not the best. So I just I think that the Ravens, Roquan Smith and that defense is going to try to get to Joe uh Joe Burrow and I think that I think that this is a very sneaky sneaky important game for the Ravens so I have 
Baltimore beating the Bengals. I just I just think it's going to take more than two weeks, especially two two weeks against a very two very good defenses. I think it's going to take more for Joe Burrow to get more acclimated and everything. So I have the Ravens being the Bengals. Seahawks at Lions. Oh, man. The talk around the Seahawks is crazy, man. It's 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 interesting how the narrative for these teams or about these teams change week to week. It's like a pendulum. And going into week one, a lot of people thought and had expectations that this Seahawks team was good enough to arguably make some noise in the NFC in general. Now you talk look today and they lost to the Rams. And if you if you hear the rhetoric and the conversation around the Seahawks, all you're hearing is were they a one hit wonder? And when I mean one hit wonder, was last year a fluke? You know, was are we gonna see the real Geno Smith? Are we gonna see the real Seattle Seahawks? Uh and it's only week two. And the and the Lions, I think that I think the Lions are gonna win this game. One, they're at home. Two, they've had the most rest. I mean, the last time they played was the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, um, in the in the first game of the season. I think Thursday night football last week. I think that the Lions are going to win, but I also do think that the Se- the Seahawks are going to be okay. Um, I don't know if they're going to make noise in the in the playoffs. I do think they're going to make the playoffs. I just I just don't know, you know. I, pump your brakes on the people that's kind of throwing away the Seahawks after week one, but I have the Lions beating the Seahawks. Damn, they're about to be 0-2. <laughs> uh, Colts at Texans. I think that this is a very interesting game, obviously, because of the quarterbacks. You have Anthony Richardson going against C.J. Stroud. Um, I'm going to pick the Texans, though, because I like the Texans' deep. Mm, that's tough, because I do like the Colts' defense and DeForest Buckner. I like Zaire Franklin. Um... But that Texan, mm. ooh, that's that's. I think that's kind of like a pick'em game. You know what? I'm changing my mind. I'm gonna go with the Colts. I just I like their 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 bevy of defensive players along with uh, Anthony Richardson and, and everything. So and, and don't get me wrong, I like the Texans, especially what I saw out of the Texans last week uh, against the Ravens. Even though they did lose, I got the Colts winning because the Colts almost beat the beat the Jaguars and the Jaguars are pretty good so I got the Colts beating the Texans a sneaky sneaky important game uh is the Chiefs at Jaguars I think the Jaguars are for real this year I don't know I I don't I'm not (laughs) I don't think that they're as good as you know Super Bowl caliber you know, but I do think that the Jaguars are for real. I think that they have a real defense. I think that Trevor Lawrence continues to get better week after week. I think this coaching staff uh, is is great. I think that the running back, you know, Travis Etienne, he's in, he's really good. This is gone are the days where the Jaguars was an easy win. Or the Jaguars was that team that you you know when you when you play sports and there's always a team that you know we're gonna get our rhythm on, 
this should be an easy win. We shouldn't struggle. This is a team where, in basketball terms, this is a team where you try stuff out with them. Like, you try weird lineups or, you know, this is the this team that they're not really going to give you much resistance. So you try some of your personal moves that you haven't really tried anybody else. That's what the Jaguars have been for a while. They had that one year with Nick Bol, uh with uh, Jalen Ramsey, and they made it to the AFC Championship. But outside of that year, this this Jaguars team has been pretty much the the a bottom feeder. That is not who this Jag who these Jaguars are today, and there are a bunch, not a bunch. There are major question marks with this Kansas City Chiefs team after week one. And the reason why a lot of people are pushing the panic button a little harder on the Chiefs just two weeks in is because of the the the, the questions going into the season. Are the same are the problems that we saw week one against the Lions. They the, the the biggest question mark was the wide receiver core. Well, when you talk about Kondarius Tony and you talk about the entire wide receiver core, they can Kondarius Tony himself, I think, dropped three or four passes, like point blank important passes. And while we know how great Travis Kelsey is, everyone else on that core, and Travis Kelsey obviously is a tight end, but everyone else in that wide receiver core had question marks. And on top of that, What is going to happen when I'll say this. I think that this is the best defense that the Kansas City Chiefs probably has now with Chris Jones. Um, Not having Chris Jones was huge in week one, but with Chris Jones back, I think that this is the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has had his entire life. And It, it it really bolds how it really showed Chris Jones' importance really showed by just how they couldn't really get a stop, especially at the end of the game against the Lions. But the question is, is the the question coming is, is, is there too much on Patrick Mahomes' shoulders? I say all that to say this, man. I think that this is a sneaky important game because I I myself need to see the Chiefs look good this should be even though you know I I heaped as much praise as I did did about the Jaguars this game should be a, a win for the Chiefs even though they are in Jacksonville I want to see Mahomes look like old Mahomes hopefully Travis Kelsey plays if he does play, if he doesn't play I think that that's a huge problem I think Kendarius Tony is going to be better, but I just don't think that they have a number one receiver on that team, at least right now. Like, but you can you can go back to the conversation we had about the Eagles, and I do expect them to get better, but right now it's looking it's looking iffy. But I will say that I just feel this is a much much more important game, even though it is two weeks in. I I think this is a much more important game for the Chiefs. So I think the Chiefs are going to win this game against the Jaguars. Uh, yeah, you got the Bears at Buccaneers. Honestly, man, I think after watching Week One, 
it's hard for me not to say that the Bears, outside of Justin Fields, and Justin Fields didn't even look good a lot of the times. I don't know if the Bears might have one of, if not the worst team in football, outside of possibly the the Giants right now. Um, but I don't even know about the Giants because it could just be you're playing against a, a much more superior team in the Cowboys. But I like what I saw out of Baker Mayfield and this Buccaneers team. The problem with Baker Mayfield is you need to be consistent with it. There are times when Baker Mayfield, like like he did last week, looks incredible. Then there are times where he just has some of the worst plays, worst interceptions you've ever seen. So I do need to see some type of consistency. But I do think that they're going to win this game. I just don't like what I like. This Bears team is you know, it's so bad that you had one of your key acquisitions last year in, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Claypool. He's more than likely a healthy scratch, meaning he's probably going to be up out of there soon. So, yeah, man, I got the Buccaneers winning that one. Uh, Chargers at Titans. I have the Chargers. I just think that the Chargers are a much better team. Um, And I trust Justin Herbert more than I trust Ryan Tannehill, obviously. I do think that the Chargers are – they – it's not, it's not like they couldn't stop the run game. They just couldn't stop Tyreek Hill and Tua Tagovailoa last week. Well, Ryan Tannehill and who DeAndre Hopkins or anybody else is not Tyreek Hill and Tua. So I think the Chargers, now yes, you do have Derrick Henry is tough, but I have, I have the Chargers beating that game. Giants at Cardinals. Let me tell you something. Get close, get close. If the Giants don't beat the Cardinals, who could very well be the worst team in football? If the Giants do not lose, do not beat the Cardinals, or I'll say this. If the Giants look anywhere close to the Giants that we saw in week one, I think I'm not I don't like saying this and I'm not trying to overreact over overreact in week two. But if the Giants lose to the Arizona Cardinals, the season is over for the Giants. I think the 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 boy you're talking about the noise that you're hearing about uh about Daniel Jones now is loud. Imagine losing to the car. I'm not even gonna say losing big. Imagine losing to the Cardinals after. Daniel Jones gets that money after, you know, the holdout with Saquon Barkley, then that he ultimately got the money. If the Giants need this win, and I, I'm going to pick the Giants to win, but they need this win. Trust me, they do. And they know they do. The 49ers at Rams, I think it's going to be a good game, but I think after watching the 49ers just dismantle the Steelers in week one, I think that currently – it's hard for me to not pick the 49ers as the best team in football right now because that's what they look like week one. Um, the Rams look really good too, but I, what what's nervous, what I'm nervous about is, of course, Cooper Rush. He's still not back, and their top wide receivers was Tutu Atwell and what, Puka something, Puka Nada or something. I'm sorry I messed your name up, bro, but what I'm saying is I don't know how uh, – how much you can keep that up against the 49ers. And 
the Seahawks don't don't have that much of a pat. Well, their Seahawks pass rush is much different than the 49ers pass rush. So I don't know how um, clean of a pocket Matthew Stafford's going to have. So I have the 49ers beating the, the Rams. Jets at Cowboys. The Jets are trying to sell us on Zach Wilson, which I think is hilarious. So I get it. Don't get me wrong. I get it because you don't want to lose the fans. You don't want to just throw away the season. You don't want to to make it seem like it's over for the season, but it is. That and you know that they know it's over because while yes, they tried to they're trying to big up Zach Wilson, you're also hearing names like you know, Colin Kaepernick come back in the in the picture or trade for Kirk Cousins or Nick Foles or Cam Newton. You're hearing them having to bring in another quarterback. And trust me, if they find a way, which I doubt is going to happen, but if they find a way to get Kirk Cousins, Zach Wilson's going right back on that bench. So it's over. It's it's over. And and what's also hilarious to me is they're trying to sell us on Zach Wilson why just a year ago that they gave up on him. Like, I don't know if people remember, but they started Mike White over Zach Wilson. Like, and I'll give you a dollar if you can tell me where Mike White is right now. What I'm saying is this season is over if Zach Wilson is going to be the starting quarterback for the entire season or for the foreseeable future until, of course, Aaron Rodgers gets back. And you're playing against a Cowboys team, which I am not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I'm close to saying could be the best team in the NFC. Um, dog, imagine the Cowboys making it to the playoff. I mean, making it to the Super Bowl is crazy. Um, I got the Cowboys beating the Jets. I do think that you can argue that the Jet Cowboys have the second best defense Maybe even the first best defense in the NFC. I think it's right now is between the Cowboys and the 49ers. Um, and that's the last thing you want to go against if you're the Jets and you have to trust Zach Wilson. So I have the Cowboy and you're in Jerry World. So I have the Cowboys winning that. Commanders at Broncos. Hey, man. First of all, shouts out to Chase Young. Chase Young was cleared is cleared to play for week two. I'm excited about that. Um, and honestly, I don't like what I saw from the Broncos week one. Obviously they lost. And when you start the game with an onside kick, I don't And You know, this is your very first regular season game as a head coach for this team. Um, I don't really like what I'm seeing. <laughs> so now I wasn't I was not happy at all with what I saw with the commander's um offensive line. And that's always been a problem for them. But I do like what I saw out of Sam Howe at, at times. So I'm gonna I'm gonna upset. I'm gonna go with the commanders beating the Broncos. Uh I just I think that defensive front is is incredible, especially with Chase Young coming back. And I didn't really like the the, the Broncos offensive line. They're, I know that most of them, if not all of them, are new. So it was going to take some time. But, yeah, I got the Broncos losing and the Commanders winning. Uh, the Dolphins at Patriots. Look here. I hear – I see – look, I see a lot of people in my comments, bro. Here's the thing. I understand that 
players have a track record, right? Like it's it's almost it's almost naive to think that uh, to think that Kawhi Leonard is going to play all eighty two games, or Anthony Davis is going to play all eighty two games, or on the football side, you know. Any NFL player is going to play all the games. It's it's now yeah it happens obviously, but not that much. Not like come on. But you're hearing a lot of people like hoping and wishing that Tua gets hurt. So the, that's 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 what I'm realizing about sports media, about some of these other podcasters, and about fa- some fans in general. They hope for things just so their opinions can be right, not. Not because they, you know, they don't, it it doesn't make sense. It makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. You have a lot of people in my comments because I I put a reel out and I talked about last week that Tua Tangovaloa and Tyreek Hill are arguably one of, if not the best duo in football right now. And you have everyone saying, no, I hope Tyreek, not everyone, but a lot of people are saying, you know, Tyreek Hill is going to get hurt week three, or I hope, to, not Tyreek Hill, um, two is going to get hurt week three, or I hope two gets hurt, or, you know, he's going to tear his AC. Like, damn, bro. Let's let's just hope for, for health. You know what I'm saying? Let's hope that he is healthy. Like, let's, let's, let's hope for that. Um, and I think that the Dolphins are much better than the Patriots. Uh, even though they are playing in Foxborough, but I, I and it's Monday Night Football, uh, but I got the Dolphins beating the Patriots. This week we actually have two, or we have two uh, Monday Night Football games. We have the Saints at Panthers, and we have the Browns at Steelers. The first game, uh, I have the Saints beating the Panthers. I still am. I still don't like. Derek Carr's red zone or yeah, Derek Carr's red zone efficiency or the Saints red zone efficiency. And I am interested to see now, of course, we're not going to see it for another, what, two, three weeks. But I am interested to see what Derek Carr looks like with or alongside a weapon like Alvin Kamara. Uh, But I I just like the Saints over the Panthers. It's going to take time. For a rookie quarterback, especially a rookie quarterback with a team that he had with a team like the Panthers and, and Bryce Young, it's going to take him time to really develop and really get comfortable being in a starting quarterback in the NFL. And it's tough when you have to go against the Saints. So, uh, and that defense is crazy with Cam Jordan and everything. I just, I think the Saints are going to win. And this is a very important game for the Steelers, and that is the Browns at Steelers. I'm not saying that the Steelers have to win. I'm not saying that. But kind of like the the Giants, the Steelers were so was so inept in week one. And what's crazy about it is I was so high. And, and I'm not saying that I'm just abandoning, but I was so high on the Steelers coming into this season because of the preseason. In the preseason, you can argue that the Steelers were the best team in football in the preseason. And they looked drastically different in week one than they did in the preseason. Kenny Pickett looked more like the Kenny Pickett of last year and looked like Cameron Hayward. He's going to be out for a couple for a few weeks for or I think it's a week eight because he had surgery, growing surgery, I think. Um 
this is an important game for the Steelers. Again, I'm not saying they have to win, but they have to look much better than they did. Oh boy, than they did on Sunday. Uh, but honestly, man, I I do like their defense, but I don't like their offense because what I saw from Kenny Pickett, and I like the Browns' defense, especially the the number that they did to the Bengals. Uh, I got the Browns winning this. I right now. I trust Deshaun Watson, even though Deshaun Watson didn't look good last year, I or last season, whoa, or last game, I'm sorry. I don't think Deshaun Watson looked good in week one, but he did. they did ultimately win it. I like Deshaun Watson more than I like Kenny Pickett right now. Uh, and I, I kind of hope that I'm wrong about this because I don't want my, you know, I don't want my the Steelers can be I don't want the Steelers to just be terrible I'm not saying I I don't really care if they win or not I just don't want them to get destroyed um I have the Browns winning so those are my predictions man those are my predictions and that is who I think is going to win let me know how you guys feel let me know who if if what team you like and if they're gonna win leave it in the comments we'll we'll talk about it so Let's uh let's move on and I, I'm gonna move on to a serious topic, because uh, I had a lot of pe- I had a couple people ask me why I didn't talk about the Kevin Porter Jr. situation with his uh, significant other. He obviously was accused of just brutally beating beating her to the point where she was like covered in blood and stuff. He was ultimately arrested for it. Um, one of the biggest, one of the main reasons why I didn't address it uh, when it happened is because I think one of the most irresponsible things to do is to address something that, A, you don't know what really happened or not. And B, Addressing something when you don't have the f- the full knowledge of what you're going to say. Because I think in instances like that, when you don't know exactly what to you know how you feel, but you don't know what to say. I think in ins- instances like that, that is when you set yourself up for failure and that's when you get in trouble. When you just say things that you don't really know what you're saying, you don't have a plan on saying it, and you're pretty much just doing vomit of the mouth and at that point it's like all right you put your foot in your mouth and you you, you messed up so i wanted to take some time to obviously hear more information and i wanted to gather what i was gonna say Uh, at this point we still don't know exactly what happened I know what Kevin Porter Jr. is accused of. And I know that if, and I'm going to say if, not because I'm an apologist, but if he did it, um, there should, he shouldn't, there should be, he should be in jail, obviously. Because just, let's put aside that this is just, you know, what he's accused of doing. Let's just put aside the fact that he did this to a, a woman. He did this to another person. 
And if he is guilty of what he is accused of, then he could have very much killed his girlfriend. I obviously, I'm not going to say obviously because some people don't know. I was raised by my mother. Obviously, she was a single mother. Um, And I grew up with my younger sister and now my niece. So I've, I've grown up and I've been around women my entire life. So, of course, I have a soft spot for for women. You know what I'm saying? Not like that, obviously, but I never want to see a woman getting beat. You know, it doesn't make me feel good to hear, you know, stories like this. And I know how I would react if I was called and and some a, a young man put hands on my sister to the point where she could have possibly died. I know how I would react. Actually, I don't know how I react because kind of like Stephen A. Smith, that's like an outer body situation, you know. So I'm not going to talk much about what happened. Because all of this is, of course, alleged and he's accused of it, so he's not guilty yet. But what I will say is. If he did do it at first, I hope that his girlfriend, I'm I'm sorry, I can't pronounce her name, Carice, uh, Carice, I'm, I'm sorry, I definitely, I'm sure I messed her name up, but I hope that she's okay. I hope that she's mentally in a good place or in a better place. I hope that she is on her road to the to physical recovery as well as mental recovery and emotional recovery because, you know. Whether it happened or not, how they're saying it happened, she was covered in blood. She did have, what, a broken neck vertebrae. She did have visible scars. And I hope that she recovers from this to completely. So I, I definitely pray for her uh her strength and her overcoming this. But what I what what I mainly wanted to focus on is you know, I come on here and for I, I don't really like calling it that, but you can kind of say that I bash the NFL. For how light they are when it comes to domestic violence compared to how heavy it is, how heavy of a punishment you get for something like gambling. And I've said on this podcast several times, because this has happened several times, that the NFL cares more about sports gambling and their, and their, you know, that how the, the fans view them more than domestic violence because at the end of the day domestic violence is a you problem you got to go figure that out not us i've always i've i've always criticized the nfl for that and now it's time to criticize the nba 
Because the report that you're hearing now is that the Houston Rockets, outside of just letting Kevin Porter Jr. go, waving him, dropping him, cutting him from the team, they're trying to trade him. Meaning that there are trade partners that would take on Kevin Porter Jr. Now, more than likely, they'll probably waive him but they're because they're trying to get off contracts or whatever. But... You have to understand that we're talking about a young woman that damn near died. Of course, all of this is he was accused of it. So I don't know if it's true or not. I'm just going by what the reports are saying. But the reports are saying that the person that's on the Houston Rockets, Kevin Porter Jr., was accused of damn near killing his girlfriend. And, th- and and instead of doing the right thing, I see in business, the thing that gets lost the most, in my opinion, are morals. Why would you want somebody on your team? Or why would you want to represent somebody that is a that that is accused of something like that, and from what the reports are saying, again, I'm not going to cast assumptions or cast verdicts on anybody because I'm not the courts. But what the reports are saying is monstrous to the point where. This man shouldn't be worried about the next team he's going to be on. This man should be worrying about if he's going to jail and for how long. If this is true. And I don't think you don't understand how bad the optics look. That some especially in today's age, somebody getting accused of something like that. And the next report you're hearing is the 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 Rockets are engaged with other teams to try to trade for Kevin Porter Jr. Meaning that you have a team that doesn't just want to drop him because they want to get something from him, something off of him. Then you have another team willing to pick him up and give up something for him. And don't get me wrong, bro. I understand that. You know, Kevin Porter Jr. is a decent player. But he ain't no type of player that you go to war for for this. Like, he ain't no franchise changer. What I'm saying is this, bro. And this is the last thing I'll say about this topic. I pray that the young lady, again, I think her name is Karish. I, I, I'm sure I said your name wrong. I apologize. I hope that she has a physical, full physical, emotional, mental recovery from this. Um, and I pray that she gets the help that she needs. And if it is true. And I keep saying if because, again, I wasn't there. If he, if it is true, I hope that, A, Kevin Porter Jr. gets the help that he needs because that is a mental thing that you can almost kill somebody because they had a door locked. 
I hope that he gets the help that he needs. And I also hope that he gets the help that he needs behind bars, if this is true. And for the Houston Rockets and the NBA to come out and say that they're trying to actively trade him instead of just cutting their losses is disgusting. And we can bash the NFL for, you know, bringing back or (laughs) allowing, bringing back child, not child, uh, women beaters and, and, you know, championing them or sexual assault uh, accusers or, or, uh, you know, people killed Deshaun Watson to this day for what he was accused of. Kevin Porter Jr. was accused of damn near killing his girlfriend. You know, I just don't, I just don't see how that can sit right with anybody if it is true. So we'll see. And lastly, before we go, and I guess you can say this is the unpopular topic of the day. I did this before um, when I was talking about uh, when I was talking about DeMarcus Cousins. There is a handful of players that is not in the NBA anymore that obviously is good enough to be in the NBA. Um, DeMarcus Cousins was one of them. Is one of them because he's still not in the NBA. Dwight Howard's another one. And I talked, when when I was talking about DeMarcus Cousins, I said that perception is everything in sports. You can be as great as you are, and honestly, you can be a you can be a quote unquote problem if you're talented. I always hearken back to Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown was a headache everywhere he was. The difference and the, the thing about Antonio Brown is he's also arguably one of the greatest wide receivers the NFL has ever seen. So of course he's gonna get shot after shot after shot after shot. I said I told DeMarcus Cousins that if he wants to get back in the league, he has to find a way to change the perception about him. Because the thing about sports is it's a big relationship, honestly. It's how is your relationship with your teammates? How is your relationship with your coach? How is your relationship with the fan base? What what people don't understand at times is basketball and sports is so much more than just being good at a, at, at whatever sports you play that is very important but it's also about relationships that's about anything in life i i work in an industry right where it doesn't really matter much about college it matters more about who you know and what you're good at the relationships that you garnish the relationships that you build who do you know? I said, yo, DeMarcus Cousins, if you want to be back in the league, you have to change the perception about yourself. 
now let's get to Dwight Howard. People know the people that know me and people that listen to this podcast, they understand that I view Dwight Howard as a basketball player very high. I think that he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think that he should be in the NBA 75 or he should have been in the NBA 75 over people like maybe Anthony Davis or Damian Lillard. People know Dwight Howard was one of the first players to be drafted straight out of high school that was successful. Um, we know I, people know how I feel about Dwight Howard. And how I think that he was one of the most dominant centers of all time when he was with Orlando. And his career was criminally robbed by not only injuries, but it was robbed by the how successful he was. And what I mean by that is, it's very hard to ask someone to change something and to develop something when you've been uberly successful at what you're doing. At what you're doing has gotten you, you know, a three-time defensive or three 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 consecutive defensive player of the year awards, or it's gotten you multiple All Stars. It's gotten you to the NBA Finals. It's hard for you to then to say, all right, now you have to develop this, because all you're seeing is the success that you're getting from what you are now. So I think that injuries and just how how good he was plagued and and his inability to to develop a, a, a more sustainable post game is what really affected Dwight Howard as far as his quote unquote drop off. But let's let's look at Dwight Howard's resume for a second. He's an NBA champion, eight time All Star, five time All NBA first team. Once he made All NBA second team, two time All NBA third team. Like I said, three consecutive NBA Defensive Player of the Year awards, four-time NBA Defensive All Team or All First Team, one-time All Second Team, Rookie of the Year, five-time NBA Rebounds Leader, two-time NBA Rebound or Blocks Leader. The reason why Dwight Howard is not in the NBA right now. Now, of course, all this coming all this is as has been sparked because the golden state warriors are having a meeting with dwight howard because we know the golden state warriors <laughs> lacks height and and just needs height and dwight howard of course is 611 so or 610 611 he could definitely help the reason why dwight howard is not in the league is because of perception. Kind of the same thing that DeMarcus Cousins is dealing with, just a little different. DeMarcus Cousins is dealing with his perception is he can't get along with his teammates. He is he is aggressive, he's angry, he can't get along with his coaches. He's uncoachable. That's not Dwight Howard's problem. Dwight Howard's problem is his perception is he's too playful and he takes things serious he doesn't take things he doesn't take anything serious or he doesn't take basketball serious or he he feels that he should be more dominant or or he should be better than he really is like you get on a team with Kobe Bryant and you think that you deserve to have more shots than him you get on a team with James Harden in his prime and you think you deserve more touches than James Harden. 
It just, it just doesn't compute. If we're just talking about pure skill, Dwight Howard deserves to be on an NBA team. Especially when you see the players that are an NBA team. But Dwight, think, listen to this. A player that is an NBA, that is a three-time defensive player of the year and has all the accolades and one of the greatest defensive centers we've ever seen. Dwight Howard will go down. I'll say it again. He will go down as one of the greatest defensive players we've ever seen in basketball. And he's only, how was Dwight Howard? He's only 30, 37, ooh, shit, 37. But listen to this, man. A player that dominant. And remember his Orlando years. Dwight Howard played for Orlando, the Lakers twice, Houston, Atlanta, Charlotte, and the Wizards. Oh, and the 76ers. Completely forgot about that. And now playing for, what was it? Playing in Taiwan. Dwight Howard. I think it's a little too late for him to develop a uh, a, a prim uh, a solid, you know, um, post game. But if you want to get back on an NBA team, the way to do that is to allow people to un to to know that you can adapt and you can be what you what the team needs you to be. Because imagine if you go to the Golden State, you're going to be important, bro. And it's about perception. If you, again, just like I said about uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Dwight Howard, if you can change the perception that people have about you, you can change the outcome of situations like this. (laughs) And there you have it. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the links in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to the Instagram. Please subscribe to TikTok. Um, I'm trying to, you know, I, I, I post pretty much daily. I, I post my reels there. It definitely means a lot. Uh, we can have Discord conversation. Subscribe to the socials. And also subscribe to the YouTube, man. I reached over a 1,000 subscribers, and I'm trying to can see how far we can go and as much we can build. So it definitely, definitely means a lot to me. Um, and until next time, much love.